What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and I am so excited with our guest today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her first and introduce her, and then we'll have the chance to hear from her. She's one of the founders of Hari Mari, a company that brings clever color and superlative comfort together in a singular flip-flop, creating looks as unique as the people who wear them. Hari Mari is dedicated to providing a great pair of flip-flops, but more importantly, they also are helping a lot of people around the world, incredibly brave children. They donate 1% of all of their sales to support kids battling pediatric cancer. Welcome, Lila Stewart. Oh, Steve, thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be visiting with you today. And I don't know if I can live up to that intro, but I'm going to certainly try. Ah, you're already doing it. And we're going to have fun today. Our listeners are going to love our visit, I am quite sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you again. Okay, good. Well, let's jump right into things. And Lila, tell us about your background, and especially including any turning points in your life that's had a big impact on you and and really what you're doing today. Okay, sure. So Jeremy and I are both from Dallas, grew up here in Texas, and I went to the University of Arizona. And all through college, knew that I wanted to eventually get into the the music business. So I worked towards that throughout college, as well as immediately after college, working for a company called AEG Live. And was really excited about the opportunity. And after a few years, I'd worked my, my way up to a sales manager role. And my boyfriend at the time, Jeremy, who is now my husband, out of the blue calls me and says, well, I have an opportunity to move to Jakarta, Indonesia, and will you come with me? And it was definitely a struggle and, you know, trying to make a decision between continuing to work on my career, which I'd worked so hard to get to and get to the place where I was, or go follow my boyfriend and soon to be fiance and husband to off on this adventure to a country I'd never been to and nor knew anything about. And so it took me a little bit of time and persuasion, but I ultimately said, yes, let's go do this. And so in 2007, I said goodbye to my job and career and took the plunge and moved to Jakarta. And I mention it because it eventually ties back in the story of our brand and our DNA and our philanthropy and the name of the company, but also because it was probably the most impactful move and life change that I've ever experienced. It, it changed me for good. And we wouldn't have Hari Mari if we hadn't made that move. So I can continue to elaborate about our time there and I'd love to, And but that's a little bit about my background and where I'm from. And so this was 2007 and I'm in, in Jakarta. 
And we were there for about three years, both of us working on different projects pertaining to helping kids or trying to do a little bit good in Southeast Asia. So Jeremy was working on a, or worked on, excuse me, a documentary called Hungry is the Tiger, focusing on malnutrition and how it affects kids in Southeast Asia. Because as anyone from Southeast Asia would know, unfortunately, a lot of times they're lacking in in the education component of how to best feed their kids. So for example, in the villages, you'll see a lot of moms giving their children rice water runoff, thinking it has the same nutrition value as milk. And the list goes on. But so he enjoyed working on that component. And I got on the board for the American Women's Association and spent my time helping kids in orphanages in and around Jakarta. And gosh, we just had this crazy, cool, interesting, unique, life-changing experience and knew that when we moved back, we wanted to do something to continue to help kids, but do it here in the U.S. Okay. Wow. That is fun. And you're never the same, are you? No, never. Well, I've, we've had a similar experience of living in Europe for three years, and then we've had the good fortune and privilege of working in both the African area, Rwanda and other African countries, and then also some fabulous people in the Philippines. And you're just never the same. You see different circumstances than maybe you're used to, and it does change you. So great going. I know that it has blessed our lives and helped me see a different world. Absolutely. It definitely helps put your priorities into perspective. And it was an incredible opportunity that I'm thankful for to this day. Yeah, great. Okay, well, let's talk then about this shift, this pivot. You moved back to the United States in about 2010. Yes. And so you're on the hunt for something to do, or did you already have the idea? No, we didn't. It's kind of funny and a little bit backwards in that we had our philanthropy decided before we had the business. We knew we were so changed by our experience and knew that we wanted to continue to help kids. And so we decided on on pediatric cancer. It's the most fatal disease of children in the U.S., more so than all childhood diseases combined. So that was set. That was that was firm. But we were trying to decide what was next and had a bunch of different ideas, some, many of which I'm embarrassed to admit now, but we ultimately decided <laughs> on flip-flops and for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, really just the rise of, of casual wear and we're basically on this ever-ceasing trend towards casual wear that's not going away and the days of suits are dwindling. And with that, obviously, flip-flop sales are on the rise. And we had just noticed that there weren't a lot of new entrants on the scene, especially in the premium flip-flop space. And the market was really fragmented in terms of who was there. So we thought, okay, well, maybe if we can combine certain certain ideals in, in our philanthropy and come to market with something premium and give back, we might we might have something. So why flip-flops? Where did that idea come from? Well, we're both pretty casual people, and we went to a store here in Dallas, and we'd worn out our flip-flops that we'd worn for the three years we were in Indonesia, (laughs) and we noticed that literally, Steve, the exact same flip-flops that were hanging on the walls when we left in 2007 were still hanging in 2010. Maybe different iterations of black and brown, but it was the same brands producing the same status quo. So that's how the idea began. That's wonderful. One of my mentors and really great friends, Thomas Monson, very early in my career, gave some wonderful advice to me and three major pieces of advice. But one of those was to survey large fields. Mm -hmm. Kind of think of your core strengths, your abilities, your passion, what you may be capable of doing. But then cultivate small ones become the very best at what you do. Become like a badger in a hole so nobody can get you out of that hole. (laughs) 
I love that. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. You are amazing. You folks are transforming flip-flops. Well, I don't know about that, but we're certainly trying to carve out a little niche and be really good at what we do and see what comes of it. Okay. So what are some roadblocks that you encountered when creating Hari Mari and how did you overcome them? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners, and especially in different parts of the world, but certainly in the United States, anybody creating a new idea or trying to launch an idea is going to encounter maybe some of the same things. So what were some of the roadblocks, challenges you encountered, and how did you overcome them? Gosh, where do I begin? I know that it's such a big probably question. longer than, <laughs> than anyone would imagine. There, there were many. Everything from you know quality control to finding talent here in Dallas, and not that Dallas doesn't have amazing talent because it does, but we were such an anomaly. We still are. I mean, we're the only national flip flop brand that isn't headquartered in California. When we first got started, people thought we were nuts. So like, what are you doing? You're starting flip flops. You have a new mortgage and a baby on the way and you're not in California. What are you doing? And for us, it was just putting our head down and not letting any of the naysayers affect our vision and just plowing through it and really just taking the hits as they came and just continuing to grin and bear it. There's nothing else you can do. You just can't give up. And so we had so many, I, I can dive into specifics and if you'd like, cause there were so many, but really ultimately all it was, was not allowing it to deflate you or defeat you or, bring you down. You just have to keep trucking. Yeah. So how did you get started, Lila? Did you start with a few brands or models or how did you really jump into the marketplace? So we knew our favorite brand and we knew that it had been a long time since any kind of updates had been made to it. So what we did was we went and purchased probably 10 different pairs and literally started cutting them up and seeing what was, what was on the inside, what wasn't on the inside, and really focusing on what we liked and what we didn't like about all these products. And then from there, we had our kind of vision about what we thought would work, but then we also scheduled focus groups. So talking of all ages, all walks of life, all background, saying, what do you like? What do you not like about flip-flops? And as ridiculous as that might sound, it was so incredibly helpful because we really got to kind of tap into kind of mainstream thoughts about the market and, and the products specifically behind it. So that was hugely helpful. And from that point, we kind of laughed to this day. Jeremy drew like crayon sketches of our, <laughs> what we wanted everything to look like and literally sent that to the factory. And that's how we got started. I mean, just no idea what we were doing, but just kind of figuring it out and doing our best day to day. Well, good for you. And Lila, how did you connect with customers? How did you get the word out? That was definitely a challenge and, and, and it still is. I mean, we're still as an almost seven-year-old brand, that's still something that we struggle with. We spent a lot of time on PR internally. The day we launched, we were fortunate enough to have Thrillist feature us. We did over a hundred events like in here in Dallas, grassroots events, getting the name out. Gosh, talking to as many people as we could at those events, whether they made a purchase or whether they didn't, really just trying to tell them about Hari Mari. But it's tough because hiring a PR firm, especially as a new company, can be really expensive. So we decided to focus on it internally, but got was fortunate enough to get some great press hits and then spend a lot of capital, but also time on the website to make it hopefully enjoyable and you know make us pair bigger than we were because we were new. And But really, I think the events at the end of the day, doing so many in such a short period of time had a lot to do with that. Okay, good for you. And how was it in the early years versus how is it now? Well, 
we're fortunate enough now that we have an amazing, amazing team and we couldn't do it without him. It's just different now. And then when we started, it was really just my husband and I and my younger brother at the time was helping us. So we still are learning every day and trying to become better at what we do. But we'd never worked in retail. We'd never been in manufacturing. This was like a whole new world for us. So not knowing, having a clue to what we were doing back then, I feel like we know a little bit more, even though we're still figuring it out. So that's a little bit of the difference, just having confidence and the experience that we've had over the years and you know the confidence of our vision for Hari Mari. But I think a lot of the difference is just having a great team. Okay. Yep. That really makes a difference, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, getting others involved. Would you mind sharing with our listeners some of your key business philosophies? What are some of the important things for your business that contribute to success? Well, I think Jeremy and I would probably be aligned in this and that it's pretty simple and threefold and that one, work hard, two, stay humble, and three, take care of your team. And then I also think it's important to not listen to the naysayers, not listen to the negativity and run your own race. Okay, good. Lila and I had the opportunity before we started today to talk a little about Becoming Your Best. And thank you for your comments, by the way. Oh, such a great book. I loved it. I really did. And I could sense as, as we talked before and even now that these 12 principles of highly successful leaders are certain things, certainly things you're working on of being true to character, of honesty and integrity. People can depend upon you. And then you set a vision and no doubt you have annual goals for 2019. You're not just aimlessly diving in, right? Right. We certainly didn't have those in the beginning. We, we definitely dived in not, not knowing any better and ordered a crazy number of flip-flops when we first started because we didn't know any better. But yes, fortunately, we now have goals. And I'm a big believer in that and, and a vision board, which I, I know you also speak about in your book and just really focusing on those goals to make them happen. Yeah. And then the other thing that Lila has been talking about is how important the team is and building a winning culture where people know, well, for example, I, I, I can tell in vision with Lila that they live the golden rule. Well, we try. Well, you work on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. And we're certainly, we're human and, and no better than anybody else. But I think you learn the more, the longer we are in business, the more you do learn. And you're so right in your book that you, that you have to, you've got to strive for that. Because what kind of an example are you setting if you don't to your team? But in addition to that, you want them to do the same and set that example for the next people that come in. So it's really important to lay that foundation. But it's also hard in, in, in hiring, especially as a, as a new company and a new brand. You aren't sometimes, you know, it's, it's tough because you're still learning how to hire and what to look for and then how to manage. And sometimes you get some, someone that isn't living up to it and you don't see it as quick as you should or something you may have missed in the interview you know, all of which you learn from, but yeah, it's, it's hard managing people's hard, but the team is so crucial to, to everything. Yeah, indeed it is. And I can sense this, that you're building a high trust with your people, or at least working to build a high trust. And then you start unleashing a team, which creates this innovation. And it's no longer just Jeremy and Lila. Now you have a group that's really unleashing on this. And these are the things that kind of help you get to the top. Yeah. Exactly. We, when we first started, it was funny because our, our combined philosophy was if you want something to get done right, you got to do it yourself. And my goodness, that's changed with this amazing team that we are now surrounded by because it's no longer us doing everything. We've got 
a great team to do it and trusting them to do it. And they have the best intention in doing it. And just like us, they're going to make mistakes, but that's a part of learning, right? Indeed. Yep, it is. I'd be interested. You mentioned earlier, Lila, about the 1% of all sales or portion of what you do goes to pediatric cancer. You talked about how deadly it is. Where did the inspiration come to do this type of humanitarian good with part of your enterprise? Well, after living in Indonesia, we were changed. We moved back and our priorities had been readjusted and we thought about continuing to try and help Indonesians. But once I was actually pregnant with our first daughter at the time, and she's a healthy little girl. And But we learned a lot about pediatric cancer and the statistics behind it. And it's pretty mind boggling to look at it. One in every 400 children die from cancer. And it's more fatal than all childhood diseases combined. And it's wow. just crazy that with modern medicine and, you know, the amount of, of funds that our healthcare has access to, it's just, it shouldn't be that way. So we felt that there was a need and, and that we could do it here in the U.S. and be transparent about it, but be hands-on with it. We go to our partner hospitals three, four, five times a year and do flip-flop drops and give flip-flops to the kids there that are being that are being treated there with pediatric cancer. And it's just something that not everyone may care about or be passionate about, but we love it. And it's really special for us to be able to do it. And you know, it, it really is a part of Harimari's DNA, and it's exciting to think that as we grow, we'll be able to increase our FOPS fighting cancer donations, and we just love it, but are, are grateful in doing it. We're thankful for it. We meet these kids at these hospitals, and it's just heartbreaking, but I just feel very fortunate that we're, that we're able to do it and fortunate to our customers that really make it happen. Well, it makes what you do a lot more meaningful, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, great going. That's a not only a great example, but it is. It's inspirational. I mean, if we can leave the world better than when we found it, maybe when it's all said and done, besides family and friends, that's what it's about. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, good going. Okay, well, let's finish up as we go towards the end of hitting a few business issues that might be common for a lot of folks, and maybe some can learn from things that you're going through and Certainly, consumption levels continue to increase in our modern-day society. There's more products, more choices, and it is difficult for brands to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. So how have you done that at Hari Mari? What, what steps do you take to try to stand out among your competitors? Well, that's such a great question because when I'm in meetings with our buyers, Nordstrom or Zappos or whomever it may be, in the beginning, that was the very first question they would ask me, Steve. Oh, another flip-flop brand? Great. Well, how have you differentiated yourself? And so we set out from the very beginning to really focus on focus on comfort, minimal break-in periods, quality and premium materials, and sourcing materials that are a lot nicer and more elevated than what you'd see on the market. But one thing that was so pivotal and that came out of our focus groups before we launched was people complaining about the toe piece, which is the post that goes in between your first and second toe. And so because of that feedback, we went and designed and filed patent for our memory foam toe piece. And so we are, we've received it recently and it really does set ourselves apart. It helps with break-ins. And so we thought in a world of flip-flops that are uncomfortable and break and are bad for the environment because they're plastic and rubber, we thought we would focus on using premium materials, make them last longer, minimal break-in periods, and really kind of set ourselves apart in that regard. Well, how fun. I mean, you are making flip-flops exciting. 
Everyone would agree with you. But I, I mean, I can't he, wait he, to get no, out. I can't wait to get out and buy my Hari Mari flip-flops. Steve, you're going to be getting a pair in the mail here pretty soon. All right. But I mean, stay posted, everybody. We're not done. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, you're just about to launch three lines of closed toe shoes. Can you tell us a little about what that means for you and your company? Yes, we're, we're really excited about it. It's something we've been thinking about for years. And our, the prototypes that we've designed have been terrible, but we were finally able to push something through the finish line. We've got three lines coming out for men. We're going to start with men's, women's next year. It means a lot for Harimari. First, our customers have been asking for it, which is incredible. So to be able to produce something and, and ha- know that guys are going to be in our product, hopefully year round is, is super cool. But also it's tough having a seasonal business. And it's been a real challenge over the years because, you know, when it's warm, you know, Harimari is doing great. But once it gets cold, people aren't buying flip-flops. And to run a business that way is really challenging. So it's going to be great to have year-round product and be more of a year-round company versus a seasonal line. It's a big step. Even though it's still footwear, it's still a big step to go from flip-flops to shoes. The response has been great so far. We took it to trade shows and kind of tested the waters. And so many of our accounts have purchased it, Zappos and Nordstrom. And we're so grateful for that. But time will tell because we launched here in about two weeks. Oh, my goodness. Well, good luck on your new product line. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So what does the future hold for you and Hari Mari? Oh, goodness, Steve. I don't know. We have a long (laughs) way to go. I love it. We get this question a lot if we have interest in exiting or selling and I just couldn't imagine not doing it because we love it so much. But I do think that, you know, our goals are to become a top of mind flip-flop brand and be known for somebody that to everyone, hopefully, you know, someone that makes a really good flip-flop and gives back along the way. And so I hope we can continue to do that and become more of a, not necessarily a household name, but just become better known. Well, good. Well, on one of our trips a few years ago to Hawaii, I bought a pair of flip-flops. And that's what I use here around the house, just casually. But they are what you've described. And so I am excited for some new flip-flops. Well, well, that's awesome. We'll be excited to send you some and see what you think. I'm going to make some as gifts to others, too. So I'll test them. But we'll we'll become one of your customers. So good going. (laughs) We appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. Now, any final tips that you would like to leave with our listeners today? Gosh, that's a loaded question. For us, I think what's some lessons we've learned over the years, and you do talk about this in your book, but so I'm, I'm being repetitive in that regard, and this isn't anything unique to Hari Mari, and I'm kind of ripping off your book here, Steve, but I think gratitude is hugely important. I think the more we, we lead and live with gratitude in what we do, the better off we are as a company. Indeed. This has been fun today. So excited to hear about the things that you're doing the differences that you're working on in the marketplace, the excellence that you're working on, you're working to create, the becoming your best individually and as an organization. And so I just want to thank you. Good going. Oh, I so appreciate your time and your interest in visiting and in your kind words and appreciate the platform to be able to connect with your listeners. So thank you, Steve. You bet. Now, how can people find out about what you're doing and, and check out your products? harimari.com h-a-r-i-m-a-r-i.com okay well there you have it folks this has been a lot of fun today thank you lila for being a part of this show today what a great and productive visit this has been we wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world so go get them 
Awesome. Thanks, Steve. All right. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too are and can continue to make a difference every single day of your life. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.